0: Welcome to the Low Carbon Business Podcast, the home of Future Thinking Enterprise. For the innovators, the dreamers, the grafters, the progressive entrepreneurs, business is changing. It's taking more responsibility for its impact on the environment. With smaller firms being a creative wellspring for this shift, more and more SMEs are showing that being green is good for business, as well as doing good for the planet. We discuss global challenges from a local perspective, explore green technologies, new business models and sustainable supply chains. Tune in for useful tips, insight and information about how to improve your bottom line whilst making a positive impact on the planet. Let's jump in. As many as 45% of businesses in the East Midlands are supplying low carbon and environmental goods and services. In this episode, we talk green marketing, green washing and tapping into the green pound. In this roundtable episode, our guests are Phil Mason from TidyCo, Sarah Ball from Balls to Marketing, Liz Pasture from Derby City Council, Ian Bates from East Midlands Chamber, and Bruno Galotta from the University of Derby, led by Fred Patterson from the University of Derby.
1: Do you see much greenwashing? Are you aware within business, obviously don't name anyone, but (laughs) in our region, have you come across marketing or promotions that you
2: feel people are really kind of I think my, my, my major book is, and, I, and I, I don't know if other people see this, that, you know, we see a lot of organizations, and, and we did it ourselves, we uh, committed to our, the UN Charter harming by 2030, net zero before 2050. Yeah, okay, so uh, people are putting this on the website. What are you doing? Are you actually doing it? You know, where's your reports? What, where's the difference, you know? you're supposed to actually report on your, your reduction. So, you know, we've done that now, and I'm unfortunately the person who's it at the company who's working out how we actually get to that point. And the reports go, we have a board, we are, you know, we represent our membership. It's, a, it's an organization that reflects the needs of our members. That's what they say that they like to see, you know, from all the quarterly economic survey data. So, yeah, I think, I think there is a lot of people saying, yeah, if we've made this commitment, and it's like, okay, now what? now
1: what? It's back to Phil's point about um, getting on and do doing the action.
2: Doing it, yeah.
3: I think the other thing that on that same point as well, I think we mentioned it, I mean, maybe it was in one of our previous discussions, what I was mentioning is when I go to a restaurant, I can see if they've got a good food hygiene rating because I look on the door and there's a big number. Why, why can't Darby be innovative with something like that? How do I know a business is doing what you say you look on the website why can't we just go to a business and see some official city council or county council rating that satisfies the things that we're doing so it's not just even if they haven't got all the figures the city council or the chamber or whoever it is is happy that they are doing what they say they're doing and that each year it's reviewed again. They send in figures or data so they get that same badge again to show that you are a, a company that's, that's actually doing the right thing. And I, and I think, we, you know, things that are innovative like that, it's almost like we always follow everybody else. You know, why can't Darby stand out and say, actually, we're going to do something that no one else is doing? You know, I could do it in a restaurant. Why can't I do it in a business? Why can't I know that they're doing the right thing?
1: So that would be a, a great example of regional kind of innovation. About so so how, how do we make the leap forward? How do we encourage businesses at scale and at pace to make that change? I'm going to come back to Liz just for a, a, a city council kind of view on that idea, but more specifically the role of you know, the city council going forward from decarbonising to the future pause for a second Bruno I'm going to come back to you and just talk about some of the great innovations um, that you've seen that kind of make a difference both from an internal point of view and an external product and service point of view so coming back to Liz the role of the city council on the back of decarbonise and how our regional councils can be innovative and supportive of that kind of transformation to a net zero economy in the future
4: yeah I mean it's certainly something that Derby City Council is really keen to to promote and support amongst businesses so yeah reducing carbon emissions and and on that front we're uh, we're trying to uh, get more funding to carry on doing the decarbonised work going forward which we we're hoping you know that will happen, um, but also I mean I like your idea, Phil. I think that I think it's a really good idea to to be able to rate businesses, but I mean that that is a question of resource, and the the council has very little resource in that area. Um, I mean maybe building on something businesses generally have to have, you know, energy performance certificates. That's a kind of national kind of requirement but only under certain circumstances but if you know national if national legislation was stepped up a bit and as ian said before a little bit more of the the stick then and and then more funding was made available to support it then you know we the, the council might be able to help but but to go around and rate every business um, yeah, we'd love to be able to do it, but I don't know how we could afford to I, I do it. I what,
3: think what I think, the, uh, as what you're basically asking of us to do, yeah. it is hard, isn't it? I haven't got the resource. Yeah. So how do I do that? I get up earlier. I do what I have to do, and doing the right thing for the right reasons, it will work itself out. And I think the council or whoever it is i'm not yeah. pointing at you particularly. But you start something and then somebody else says something and then the government says, well, we could actually give you a grant to have more resource because you're trying to do something that's the right thing. Yeah. And instead of you rating the businesses, we come to you. We say, actually, we want you to rate our business. There's yeah. all the all the stuff that you want. Now rate our business rather than you say you're going to come and inspect our We're going to come to you because we want to be rated. Yeah. You know, the restaurants clean their restaurants up and do the right thing because they want that sticker on their door. Everyone now looks, is it a four or a five? Because if it's a two, I'm not going in there. Yeah. So, and then businesses start dealing with businesses. So then businesses start saying, well, I'm going to deal deal with Sarah because she's got a good rating from the council for all these things she's doing. And hopefully people come to Tidy Co because they go, you know what, I don't have to go into all the detail. They've been rated and, mm-hmm. and it's something... That I think you have to start without any resource. You, maybe you're the resource. Yeah. To start with.
4: Yeah. No. I, th- I think I think it is it is a good and that is something i will go away, go away and and talk about how we could do that going forward. Um, you know, and like you say, we could start in in a fairly small way and then and then build up. And it, yeah, if we can get if we can get businesses to come to us, you know, some of the core businesses, like, you know, I mean, you're both yourself and Sarah. You know, you're we. We, we work with some fantastic businesses in Derby, you know. So if we start from that core group and then build, build from there. And, uh, is,
2: uh, I, and I totally agree. I think, you know, for, for a, a, an accreditation style process, I think that's quite resource heavy for a lot of businesses. I think you've got things like the CN28 is sort of showing a commitment to there's that element to it but you could potentially have things like green champions that you would be a green champion and potentially that people then say you know you've, you've got the data of what you've done as a business or people can say you know well I'm a, a green champion and these are the things I'm going to do and then if it's not done for the following year then that badge doesn't go on things but it's also driven and I think to you know when you're talking about local authorities they they've all you know declared climate emergencies they have all got their, you know, we're talking about strategies that, you know, is it Derby City net zero by 2035, I think it is. The only way they're going to do that is by, if any of their supply chain, they need to ensure that they're compliant or reducing their emissions. So there's a driver there again, isn't there? That, you know, if you're a supplier to Derby City Council, then, you, you know, is it that then you get the badge saying, "Yeah, we, we're actually committed to the, the environmental side of it." There's different thing, ways to approach it, I think, isn't there? We, we the, tried doing. Sorry, I'll keep interrupting you.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
3: I mean, we we saw, I, I started to try and do something, and it wasn't to do with the environment, and and I, I lost the energy because I've got other things to do. But it was it was it was a similar sort of model, and it was called Midas, and, and Midas was manufacturing Derby and surrounding areas. And I, I might have mentioned it to you. Ian. I had I had uh, artwork done, and that again was a self, almost self-governing system. So what we said for that was, if you're a manufacturing business and you employed people and you had a, I don't know, apprenticeship scheme, and you and you employed made things, not just bought them in and sent them out. I would go to Sarah's business and say to Sarah, as a friend, how's it going? are you still doing all these things? And she says, yeah, still manufacturing. There's the plant. We've still got all these people. We've still got these training schemes going. We're doing all those things. And I tick her business off. Sarah then goes into her friend's business. And, and, and it's almost self-governing because, because we believe in what we're doing. So you could almost say the same with the environment. You know, I invite Sarah around for a coffee at Tidy Code. She sees the PV panel. She sees the figures. We have a criteria of what we're ticking off, and she goes, "Yeah, you're doing all those things." And then someone goes into her business, and, and there's a bit of trust in there, but I think it, I think it would be worked, and it's self-governing. And we're only talking at the moment in our local area. We're not talking about something worldwide, are we? It's a local self-governing, not too much bureaucracy. As soon as you get bureaucracy in it, it goes to pot. You know, I'm happy with that. So one of the
1: things that the climate movement, I think, has shown us is that we can all act within our spheres of influence. Um, Just to pick up on the notion of, um, you know, businesses contributing. uh, uh, So just to pick up on that that idea of a a self-supporting initiative to to mark how... uh, pro-environmental businesses are in our net zero accelerator program we've been working with a sustainability platform that businesses can self-register on which offers that so one of the things that we know as a university as a regional organization is that we, we want we, we need to move from working with scores of businesses to work with hundreds of and thousands of businesses and being able to use um Web-based platforms is something that we need to work out how best we can do that. That isn't about regulating and businesses complying. It's about businesses wanting to be seen as part of the movement. So I've certainly completely endorse where you're coming from. It's about innovating in all of our different spheres. I'm going to come back to to Bruno um, and just ask in terms of the businesses that you've worked with um, you've seen all sorts of interesting innovations, either as operational um, efficiencies and innovation, or indeed in terms of product development. Can you tell us a little bit about how b- businesses are approaching that transformation journey? Uh,
5: yeah, sure. Uh, of course, that the businesses they are uh, changing the way that they are operating uh, in this environment. Uh, and of course, that this depends a lot from uh, the industry where they are. As part of the decarbonized project, I've been involved with over twenty companies uh, in different projects, and. I could see that some of them, they are trying to change some of uh, the business models. So, for instance, if we're talking about construction companies, some of them, they are trying new things uh, within this specific industry. If we're talking about retail, uh, we've been seeing some companies that were changing the way that they were delivering. Uh, so, overall, how they were changing their supply chains uh, and actually approaching their customers. Uh, and if we start talking about technology itself, uh, been involved in a project uh, which was focused on Smart Factory, and we provided uh, specific support to six uh, companies across the region. And we saw some of the things that were discussed a little bit before in here. So as Liz was saying, uh, that was hard for some of the businesses to find information about electricity. We spoke to some of them and they they didn't know uh, what was the electricity usage that they were having. So how were we supposed to even calculate the savings that they could have? Uh, And savings, when I'm talking about savings, could be carbon savings, but also financial savings, if they don't even know the baseline. Uh, and of course, that this should be the the first uh, the first point, the starting point of this. Uh, and as Phil was saying, uh, there are some uh, there are some managers and directors that are not so keen on, on understanding this, and they don't want to have this data control. And that's completely fine. Uh, but it's important for the companies to have this kind of governance and to have this kind of capacity uh, within the company to have someone that could be uh, seen as a champion that could be leading this this transition Uh, and of course that if we think about uh, the adoption of new technologies uh, this can be as little or as high-tech as possible Uh, if we think from a very little change uh, we've all been through the COVID pandemic. And most of us, I believe most of us, we had to change the way that we were working. So we were not going to the offices anymore. So all of our meetings ended up to Zoom or Teams or whatever. And there are a few research pieces that have been done over the last few years and they have already identified some carbon savings and there are some companies so there is a a research from nature that identified that in 2020 there was a reduction in about 17% of the carbon emissions just associated with people coming to work. Uh, And this is something that is very, it's a very simple solution because it's about virtualization. Uh, It's about having uh, internet connection which uh, a lot of people that are working on offices they have. So this is something very simple. Uh, However, this can go uh, in a very in a little bit more complicated way. So if we start talking about uh, new technologies such as Internet of Things, artificial intelligence uh, and some others, uh, that not all companies they will need to develop on those. but some leading companies they are already looking at some of those new technologies. Uh, and as part of the yeah, the Decarbonize project, I've been involved with a few of those Uh, and with some of them we observed some reductions in electricity but in some others we were observing other elements. So we were thinking about uh, observing uh, the noise levels, the temperature levels uh, and some other parameters that might be relevant. Uh, we We are recording this session here in the middle of summer here in the UK. And it's boiling here in the UK. A, a few weeks ago, it was about 40 degrees. So if the situation was not so good inside an office, can you can you imagine how the situation was in a warehouse? Uh, so it's important for us to monitor uh, the temperature. It's important for us to monitor noise levels. Uh, it's also important for us uh, to monitor particles in the atmosphere, depending on the companies uh, that that are operating. Uh, and the digitalization, the usage of new technologies, uh, I believe that they are all helpful uh, to identifying uh, those lack of efficiencies and, of, of course, try to identify uh, ways to become more uh, efficient in terms of the energy consumption, in terms of the gas consumption. Uh, and, of course, that in the end will have some o- other benefits from that. So. Definitely, there are clear uh, indications that those can bring some carbon benefits to the companies as well.
1: What what are you seeing in the different sectors around businesses that are turning to um, making and
2: selling products and services? Yeah, and I, 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 we we see um, it's such a wide range of things. You know, from from organisations who are looking at how they can manage your, your digital footprint and your website to be more energy efficient to people who are creating products and services that that that, that can actually support it in innovative products and services. So it can literally be anything from those who can you know help you with recycling. You know, some of the organizations we have in our, in membership are what we normally just call waste companies, but they see themselves as manufacturers now because there's very much actually that ends up going to landfill because anything that goes to landfill actually costs them money. Um, so, yeah, there's innovation from all sorts of ways, and people seeing it as an opportunity. You know, we have to be careful that, you know, the, the phrase greenwashing, that they, there will be an element of that going on. But the proof's in the pudding with a lot of these things. You know, can it save me money? Can it enhance my offer to, to the end user that I'm using recycled products or packaging, etc. You know, as I said, if those uh, businesses who aren't engaging in this agenda, w- we'll see them slowly falling behind their competitors.
0: Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this episode. The Low Carbon Business Podcast is brought to you by the University of Derby. Thank you to all our partners. The show is produced by Seed. Audio by Guru Music. Please remember to like and subscribe and leave a review on the platform you're listening to this on. To get in touch, contact us using the links in the show notes. We'd love to hear about your business, project or idea. Save money, protect the environment and re-energise your business. This is the Low Carbon Business Podcast.